Major funding for Telehell is provided by Dave's Archives. If you're looking for retro commercials from the 50s all the way up to the 90s, and possibly some points beyond in the future, turn to Dave's Archives, also home to the TGIF live stream on Friday nights. Go to davesarchives.com. By RetroCirc on YouTube, home to the off-duty mind players and all those off-air commercials that he likes to put up so much from the 80s and 90s. Go to YouTube and type in RetroCirc, spelt with a Q at the end. And by the continuing financial support of our patrons at patreon.com slash telehealthpodcast, including Beth Campbell, Mr. Cheeseball, Joss Hoskinson, Rick Kalaki Jr., Chris Michaud, Meredith Morrissey, Spare Parts, Jose Pasante, and Neil Weinstein. Thank you. Because of the following special program, the WB's Superstar USA will not be heard this evening, but will be on a schedule next week at this time. The following program was recorded at an earlier date for broadcast at this time. And now... Faces I remember. It's WB Semba. Check, please. In Hell. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. This may be one of the stupider subjects we've ever covered around here, but we promise it's the good kind of stupid. The fun kind. The kind that has seen a staying power to this very day that almost seems hard to describe. And the only reason why we would even cover something like this, aside from the fact that the WB is tangentially involved here at best, is the fact that the holidays are often our one chance each year to do something that bends the rules a little bit. So with that, our story begins in 1978. A songwriter named Randy Brooks was working in Lake Tahoe when he came across some friends of his, a husband and wife performance duo named Elmo Shropshire and Patsy Trigg. Interesting fact, before music was ever a factor in his life, Elmo was a veterinarian who opened up his own animal hospital in San Francisco. One night after Brooks performed with his band, he put together a demo version of a song that he was working on that his band didn't want him to sing. So instead, he wanted Elmo and Patsy to be the song's singers. The song Brooks wrote told a simple Christmas story. It's the story of a grandmother celebrating Christmas Eve with her family when she ventures out into a snowstorm while drunk on eggnog, despite everyone beseeching her not to. She is found the next day trampled. Santa Claus and his reindeer are determined to be the culprits when incriminating claws marks are found on her back. Grandpa is unfazed by his wife's apparent demise and spends the holiday watching football, drinking beer, and playing cards with Cousin Mel, while the rest of the family mourns Grandma's apparent death and wonders if her gift should be returned, agreeing unanimously that they should. Christmas dinner otherwise goes on as normal with a centerpiece of roast goose, figgy pudding for dessert, and candles that match Grandma's wig. In closing, the singer warns listeners to better watch out for yourselves because a man who drives a sleigh in place with elves is unfit to carry a driver's license. 
While visions of vehicular manslaughter danced in their heads, Elmo and Patsy realized that, in the right conditions, the song could become sort of a novelty item slash stocking stuffer for the next holiday season. And so, one year later, Elmo and Patsy self-released the song to local record stores in the San Francisco area. While the song itself turned out to be a modest hit for independent releases, it wouldn't see its true popularity until the tune would receive exposure on one of the Bay Area's biggest radio stations. And on that note, we're gonna let Dr. Elmo himself, via archival footage, tell the rest of the story. It started in San Francisco, a disc jockey named Gene Nelson on KSFO radio played it first. Suddenly he starts playing my song and I just cringed when I heard my voice because I'd never heard myself on radio before. It was just a stroke of luck. It was like I won the musical lottery. Seems like I had the right song with the, with the right voice. And when it came out, you know, it was, uh, it's just amazing how people got onto it. The rest is history. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. From that point forward, whether people loved or hated the song, Grandma got run over by a reindeer would prove to be one of those inescapable holiday traditions. One that, no matter how much you want to avoid hearing it, somehow you do. And if you're hearing the song this year for the first time because of our show, we apologize in advance because it's going to be extremely pivotal to our story. More so than inescapable, the song cemented Dr. Elmo and Patsy's financial well-beings for the rest of their lives, even after the two of them divorced in 1985. Not only did Dr. Elmo come up with more songs to add to his repertoire, but also newer and more updated versions of the song that made him famous. To say nothing of the countless many who covered the song over the years, and while a number of the re-releases and covers stayed true to the original in terms of style and tone, some other versions of it are so jaw-droppingly weird that you'd probably need to see Hermie the Elf Dentist to get it reattached. Case in point, and sweet Satan, I wish I was making this one up. An honest to be Elzebub, gangsta rap. Yes, if I'm lying, I'm dying, even though I'm already dead, a rap version of the song. Trust me, this has to be heard to be believed. She went back to crack a brew, which I told her not to do. She forgot to pop her meds, now we got to phone the feds. Hold on, pumpkin, go back to your pumpkin. We found the quantum warning. Boy, she was no beauty. Footprints on her hooters and bruises on her booty. Just be glad there's no footage of him with his shirt off and a tattoo that says Elf Life. But hopefully you get my point. The song became universally ubiquitous with the holidays to a point where people were curious just how far they could milk the cash reindeer dry aside from the annual album sales and lest we forget... Merchandising! Merchandising! Anywhere toy manufacturers could shove a sound chip, the song appeared in one way, shape, or form in many upon many novelty items year after year after year so the entire world could have this song permanently implanted in people's memories so that it remains in their head long after they're dead, buried, and their bones turned to dust! But I digress. Which brings us to the year 2000 and the notion of expanding the song's popularity to yet another level. In the past, 
The song had its own music video attached to it that would pretty much tell the story as Dr. Elmo was singing it. And for the most part, that was about as close as anybody ever got to bringing the story of Grandma's run-in with Rudolph to life. Enter a legend in the world of animation, one Mr. Phil Roman. Now talk about a resume. Roman's career stretches all the way back to 1955 when he was an assistant animator for Walt Disney's Sleeping Beauty. After a few years with the House of Mouse, Roman would soon become one of the protégés of another animation legend, Chuck Jones. It was under Jones's tutelage that Roman would earn a spot as lead animator for a much better holiday classic. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And it was thanks to his work with the Grinch that Roman was able to make the jump from lead animator to full-fledged animation director. His biggest work yet would be as the director to several dozen Peanuts specials that have nothing to do with Christmas, Thanksgiving, or a great pumpkin. Still though, Peanuts kept Roman busy. So much so that by 1984, Roman opened up his own animation studio, Film Roman, which would go on to produce some of the best-loved animated series in daytime or primetime. Garfield and Friends, Bobby's World, The Critic, King of the Hill's first two seasons, and more importantly, The Simpsons back when they were still good. By the time Roman was pushing his 70s, he felt that he had contributed enough to the world of animation so that he would sell his company, which he did in 1999, but not before one more piece of animation completed its production. And thus, the rule that we're bending today. The fact that this last piece of animation that film Roman would make as an independent studio actually made its debut on videocassette and DVD before it ever hit television. Yes, we made a rule a long time ago where we wouldn't cover big screen adaptations of existing TV shows, but after going through the <clears throat> rule book of the damned with a fine-tooth comb, I see nothing in here that says we can't review made for any other kind of medium as long as it was broadcast on television. And since VHS and DVDs require a television to view them, I'll say that this one's gonna count. And now that we've taken care of the semantics, there's one question that needs attention. The original non-gangster rap version of Grandma ran approximately three minutes and 25 seconds long. The special in question that we're about to watch was slated to run for about 52 minutes, or one hour with commercials. How exactly were they going to take a three plus minute song and stretch it out to an hour of network airtime? Open up your showbiz glossary notebook, folks, as we explain... Creative Not to be confused with its cousin, Legal Distinction, Creative Liberties takes place whenever somebody tries to adapt their own version of an existing property and make it so that the story they tell maintains the integrity of the original product while still attempting to be its own thing. Case in point, practically every Rankin-Bass holiday special you could think of was the king of taking liberties. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. Really listen to the original tune of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The song was originally written in 1939 by a man named Johnny Marks. But Johnny Marks never wrote any additional lyrics involving elves becoming dentists, gold prospectors fighting snow creatures, using one's birth defect as a metaphor for racism, or islands of misfit toys where 99% of the toys have some sort of defect. 
The jury's still out to this day as to why the ragdoll is there, but I'll save that rant for another holiday. Point is, Johnny Marks never intended to add those elements to the song. Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass did that. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul. Same goes for when Frosty the Snowman went from a simple story about a snowman that comes to life from a magic top hat to a 30-minute goose chase involving a magician as the bad guy. Don't even get me started on all the sequels to those stories because they pretty much took those same creative liberties and put them through an industrial shredder. So basically, if stretching things out worked for Rankin Bass, it could work for Film Roman and also Warner Brothers Television, who would be the special's distributor. As such, not only would this special become a hot holiday item for the year 2000, but because you can never have too much holiday content on TV, the company decided to air the show on a few of its TV properties. For our purposes, we're going to focus on the time when the special aired on broadcast television. And I say that in the most kinda, sorta sense. It's the world's most famous case of hit and run. Home from oh, oh, Grandma, watch out! With all of that in mind, does Grandma do anything else aside from becoming Santa's accidental hood ornament? Does Santa face any consequences outside of the closing lyrics of the song stating that a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves is unfit to carry a driver's license? And more importantly, just exactly how dry can some people milk what is otherwise a fluke phenomenon? We'll find out as we incinerate some of Santa's milk and cookies after the break. This week on Telehell's premium content of the damned. Sarah, it's for you. special little ones a magic moment with a call to Santa by dialing 1-800-HI-SANTA. The call is toll-free and the message from Santa is only $2. Charge it on Visa or MasterCard or send a $2 check or money order and Santa will call you. It's as easy as calling 1-800-HI-SANTA. Bye-bye, Santa. <laughs> Santa wants to talk to you. The only way to listen to Telehell's premium content of the damned is by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast For just a few bucks a month, you can listen to our premium content and get some swag along the way. Once again, that's patreon.com slash podcast now at new low prices and now back to this week's torture december 21st bill clinton begins to pack his bags for parts unknown paul thomas anderson tries to follow up boogie nights with magnolia and at 8 p.m 7 p.m. Central, 
one of the world's most inexplicable novelty hits gets an even more inexplicable universe expansion. And since this was a one-off TV special, we're going to judge this the same way we review TV movies. Anything we have to criticize will strictly be about the program and nothing else. With that said, Dr. Elmo himself is here to tell the story. Considering he's also the special's executive producer and songwriter, why not chip in a little more? It's the Christmas season. A time for telling colorful holiday stories. My favorite story of all time is about my grandma. She had this encounter with a reindeer. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. And just like that, straight to the point. No buildup, no tension, just boom, Santa makes a hit and run. This is probably gonna be the shortest episode we've done in years. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, all right. And as incredible as that was, it almost put an end to Christmas. But <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, so let's go back to the beginning. Oh, of course not. The show just started, and we now get to see the full extent of how they managed to stretch a three-minute song bigger than a Stretch Armstrong doll. Ergo... In the beginning... It was December, and everyone in Cityville was caught up in the chaos of the holidays. And no place was busier than my grandma's store. It was a one-of-a-kind place. She carried all kinds of stuff year-round. She sold decorations, handmade toys, at least one of anything you could imagine for the holidays. So basically, this is going to be one of those stories where a small mom and pop store faces pressure from the big box retailers to tear down their store in favor of another bigger, boxier store, right? And they say the Hallmark Channel is lacking in original thoughts. And the little baby Christmas tree looked up at Papa Tree. And that's me, Jake Spankenheimer. <laughs> Spankenheimer? <laughs> Spankenheimer. The family's name is Spankenheimer? On the one hand, I'm glad they kept that out of the lyrics to the original song, but on the other hand, you might as well be wearing a sign for the rest of your life that says, Wedgies make me feel good. But please, do continue, young Spankenheimer lad, who, thanks to this revelation, I'm just gonna call Little Spanky for the rest of the show. Cousin Mel is scaring away another customer! You can stop right there, that shoplifting missy. <laughs> now, what seems to be the problem? <laughs> problem? No problem. No money. No merchandise. No way! We now need Cousin Mel who, by the way, is referenced in exactly one lyric of the song. But again, because of creative liberties, she's more than just a passing mention. In an effort to go beyond simple lip service to the song, she's now our bad guy. Your credit is always good here, Martha. Why, you just stop by when you get your next paycheck. Thanks, Grandma. Everyone have a Merry Christmas! Oh, uh, quick tangent before we continue, that customer just now referred to our title character as Grandma. She's not her grandma, but she just calls her Grandma as if it was her legal birth name. I know that's the nittiest of picks to make with this show, but considering all the other creative liberties that we're about to be witness to, the least they could do is give Grandma a proper name. 
Anyway, on to the story and why Cousin Mel might be a sleeper agent for our side of the afterlife. You're not a businesswoman. You're an old freaking. Everyone else is happy the way things are. Right, Frank? Beach punching a time clock for someone else. I like spending time with the family at work. You see, look around you. We are rich. Life's about being nice to people. Money? Ugh. I'd say we make enough. Enough? Enough is never enough. Yes, folks. It's looking like one of those stories. One where it doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket, as long as you have the love of a good family and I think I just barfed a little in my mouth. And not by choice. I mean, I personally have nothing against those kinds of stories, but tell that to our boss. One mention of human kindness around them and they can make a volcano erupt for months on end. Just ask the people of Hawaii. As we now take a look inside the <laughs> Spankenheimer home, where little Spanky, who looks to be about middle school age according to the animator's designs, is properly schooled on who Santa Claus... Uh, oh, excuse me for a second, just gotta look around. Nothing there, nothing there, nothing there. Okay, if you have any kids in the room listening who still believe in Santa Claus, you might wanna cover their ears for a second because this might break them and cause several thousand dollars in future therapy bills. Because it's this part where the parents actually explain who Santa Claus is actually based on. There is no easy answer. Uh, historically, there was a Saint Nick who, with a loving heart, filled children's shoes with gifts of all sorts. So Santa today represents the true meaning of Christmas, giving to others. And content warning over as we now get to put up the <laughs> Spankenheimer family Christmas tree. One that Charlie Brown would personally laugh at compared to his because it's 100% inflatable and is nothing compared to the trees that existed in Grandpa's day. Wish they had Christmas trees like that when I was a boy. Here we go again. We had to chop our trees down by hand. Never forget the time I had to use a beaver for a chainsaw. Last time you told it, it was a woodpecker. <laughs> And while most of the family seems not to mind the inflatable tree, Grandma and little Spanky present a reasonable counterpoint. This tree is gonna save lots of time. What's the fun in that? Ah, where's the jabbing yourself with pine needles, hanging ornaments, the old-fashioned smell of a genuine Douglas fir? If you like old-fashioned smells, I'll get my fishing boot. <laughs> And for the benefit of this being an audio show, that was not a fart joke. Grandpa kicked a hole in the inflatable tree. I know it only seemed like a fart joke because Grandpa said this. If you like old-fashioned smells, I'll get my fishing boot. Followed immediately by a noise of deflation, but I assure you, not a fart joke. We cut to the next day at the <laughs> Spankenheimer store where we meet a character that wasn't a part of the original song. Excuse me, I'm... Austin Box, CEO of the Cityville Own-All Corporation. Your store sits on the perfect place to build the crown jewel of my empire. Picture it, gifts delivered on Christmas Eve by our new Slaymobile. Do you think I should sell the store? Are you kidding? I love this place. 
You with no store would be like Christmas without Santa. So there you have it. Grandma doesn't sell the store, and they all lived happily... What's that? There's still 40 minutes to go in this? As I was saying, this becomes the motivation Cousin Mel needs to hatch her... Secret plan. Revenge on my mind. Grandma, do you realize what you just did? You let my fortune walk out the door. That was my future. I mean, Jake's future. Money for college. Travel to Italy, world cruises, sports cars, jewels. <laughs> I'd tell you to put a cork in it, you greedy money grubber. But Grandma shouldn't talk that way. No, I think Grandmas should talk a little bit more like this. Blanche, have you heard the latest ad campaigns? Join the Navy, see the world, sleep with Blanche Devereaux. (laughs) Join the Army, be all you can be, and sleep with Blanche Devereaux. (laughs) The Marines are looking for a few good men who have not slept with Blanche Devereaux. But go on. Grandma, if this store were mine, I'd sell it. Cousin Mel, this store will never be yours. We'll see. Secret plan! Through a time-killing montage, we get to hear a couple bars of one of the lesser-known Dr. Elmo songs. If you've never heard this before, here's a slice of Grandma's Killer Fruitcake. It was harder than the head of all the bucky. Happy as a servant, preacher lucky. One's enough to get the whole state of Kentucky. A great big belly. It was denser than a drone. By the way, I hope you were paying attention because the fruitcake becomes a plot point later on. Right now, as Cousin Mel distracts Grandma and Little Spanky, she places a secretly planned ingredient inside one of the cakes. I don't know who buys your cakes and cookies, but this will for darn sure make everyone sick. That ought to stop people from shopping at the store. And with no customers, you'll have to sell Grandma secret. And before you think to yourself that the name of the song should have been called Grandma Got Drugged by a Fruitcake, which I think might have made for a good Dateline true crime story, we then get our next song lyric reference slash plot point. Careful, Grandma. Don't drink too much eggnog without your medication. Oh, Pooh, you'd think at my age you'd outgrow an allergy to eggs. (laughs) Now, where'd I put those pills? Grandma makes her fateful trip outside, where a run-in with a sled awaits her. But not before we get a running and almost entirely pointless play-by-play of the action while the song is playing in the background. She'd been drinking too much eggnog. You've been drinking too much eggnog. And we begged her not to go. Please, don't go! We're begging! But she forgot her medication. Besides, I left my medication at the store. And she staggered out the door into the snow. Because it's not like the audience for this show has never heard the song before. Considering the song first appeared in the public's consciousness in 1979 and this special aired a mere 31 years afterward on a network that barely made a blip in the ratings except for their high-powered teen dramas, and I think I just answered my own complaint. Never mind. On to the vehicular assault. Undone her! Unblitzen! <gasps> it's Grandma him! Got run Santa over Claus! By a reindeer. Why, he is real! 
walking home oh, from our oh, house Christmas Grandma, Eve. watch out! You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Which I'm just now realizing is quite the visual for a show aimed at an obvious kid's audience. Desensitize them while they're young, I guess. Act two starts with little Spanky urging his family to help their elder matriarch, which goes over just about as well as you think. Santa hit Grandma! Grandma needs help! The only person who needs help in this family is you! Now, Jake, calm down. Take a breath. Santa Claus was flying low like this, and Grandma was walking like this, and then Rudolph was here, and- And he landed right in the middle of this big plantation! <laughs> sorry, sorry, old joke, new twist. Anyway, the parents casually dismiss little Spanky's claims, as one does to prevent their child from booking a TVG-friendly visit to a shock therapist. Now, honey, you must have had a bad dream. In case you haven't noticed, Frank, your son suffers from a dreaded affliction. What affliction? The Santa Claus is real syndrome. He's got all the symptoms. Writing lists to Santa, checking them twice, good behavior, falling asleep before midnight. I figure he gets it from his grandma. You saw what happened, didn't you, Grandpa? Uh, I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? The moral of the story so far, believing in Santa will make you legally insane. A great lesson for the kids, I'm sure. As we cut to the next day and our next reference song lyric. Okay, we've got some reindeer hoof prints and sleigh tread marks leading to... Oh, yeah! What appears to be an impression of a person in the snow. Look there, but uh, how do we know it's Grandma? Doofus knows! That's one of Grandma's shoes! That's her special Christmas mug! Her medicine! Officer Lion, check this out. Ooh, what do you make of this? Offhand, I'd say that's animal hair, reindeer, 15 hands high, 12-point buck. By the markings, a slave puller, powerful, capable of flight, age unknown, one of a team of eight. But it's just a guess. Okay, then. I'll just put it down a sleigh, hicular hit, and run. Ooh, what's the code for that? I could make yet another SVU joke, but I think I've reached my quota for the year. As the search continues to intensify over the course of the new year. That started the biggest grandma hunt in Cityville history. The police searched every nook and cranny for Granny. Time passed, and police kept looking and looking. Months went by. We looked and looked. I even got permission to put Grandma's picture on milk cart. Nothing helped. Not even stories on the local news channel. Grandma was nowhere to be found. Say, uh, may I suggest something to help narrow down the search and the hunt for your missing grandmother? You know, just a small suggestion. Instead of putting up posters and milk cartons that say, Have you seen Grandma? How about... Oh, I don't know. A full name! I mean... People go missing every year around the world. They don't exactly have any luck by saying, have you seen this man and not list any other detail than a picture of that missing person. And yes, I know, it's just a cartoon and the animators and writers probably didn't think that far ahead. But it's a pretty sad state of affairs when even the words John Doe proved to be a more effective form of identification. But getting back to our flexible reality, after a year of looking, the search grows cold. 
And another lyric of the song is casually thrown out there. Grandma's Christmas gifts remained unopened, and people dressed in black. And we just can't help but wonder, should we open up her gifts or send them back? Send them back! Grandpa tried to cope by playing cards with Cousin Mel. And in the midst of this tragedy, which could have easily been avoided due to clerical errors, talk of selling the <laughs> Spankenheimer store reaches the next level. Oh, that reminds me. Are you still interested in buying this establishment? Well, it's the ideal location for our Slaymobile division. Good, because I know Grandma would want me to sell it. I have the deed right here. Unfortunately, your name's not on the deed, just Grandma and Grandpa's. But if Grandpa agrees, then I could buy the store. I'm sure I could trick, I mean, get Grandpa to agree. Secret plan. A perfect segue to showcase yet another lesser-known song from the Dr. Elmo catalog. Sure. So sign. I'd rather sing. Grandma spending Christmas with the superstars Since that reindeer ran her down that fateful night Grandma's hanging out with all those late great stars For the heavenliest Christmas of her life Well, credit where credit's due. At least that song isn't as confounding as the gangsta rap. Props to you, old geezer. Now grandma's eulogize. You don't got to please her. It's time to harmonize. Booyah! Now knock that off! So after that minute of filler, Grandpa signs over the deed to the... <laughs> Spankenheimer store to Cousin Mel. And it's beginning to look a lot like a green Christmas. Okay, I'll sign. Oh, this is easier than I thought. Sign here, and here, initial this. Oh, and this one gives me power of attorney over your affairs. I'll be your dedicated money manager forever. I do feel better. Perfect. Act three begins with the aftermath of selling the <laughs> Spankenheimer store and little Spanky's attempts to thwart Cousin Mel's plans. Please. Sorry, Jake. The only person who can stop this sale is your grandma, but no one knows what happened to her. She got run over by Santa's reindeer. I just need more time to find grandma. Now, Austin, darling, why don't we go somewhat romantic and consummate this deal? Hmm. Uh, this is a kid's show, right? You got it, kid. This deal doesn't close till the end of the week. No! Attorney, do something. Sue somebody. A bit of advice. If you really believe Grandma was run over by Sanders' reindeer, then find him. He should know where Grandma is. So we're just gonna casually gloss over that piece of innuendo in a kid's cartoon that absolutely nobody in that demographic is gonna understand? No kids wondering what the word consummate means? Anybody? I guess this means the WB's censors decided to start their holiday early that week. Then again, the family's name is Spankenheimer, so perhaps that opened the floodgates. 
Oh, well. Off to find Santa! I have till the end of the week to stop Cousin Mel from selling Grandma's store. Look, Sherlock, you've tried your best to find Grandma. Your room is search central. You got no results from your do-it-yourself police sketch. Your dry erase board is full of dead-end clues. Give it up. And a passive-aggressive Christmas to us all, as little Spanky chooses not to give up the fight. Fortunately, the family dog has an unorthodox solution. What's this? Printout of my old Christmas list? Look, doofus, it's not as simple as adding fine grandma to my Christmas list and emailing it to Santa Claus. Wait. Doofus, you're a genius! Yes, ladies and gentle demons, you heard it right. Little Spanky is going to try to contact the North Pole via 56K dial-up modem. It being the year 2000, the turn of the century, and a three-minute song stretched out to an hour-long special, you kinda had a feeling things were gonna need a relatively modern twist. One that I'm pretty certain that Dr. Elmo or Randy Brooks could never have seen coming. But thanks to the creative liberties being taken here, this twist shouldn't really be so much surprising as it's more eye-rolling to the point where the eyes pop out of their sockets. But sure, internet. To Santa Claus at santaclausisreal.com. Dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is my grandma. Can you help find her? P.S. She looks like this. Thanks. Jake Spankenheimer. Send. Sure enough, elves get little Spanky's email, they forward it to the big guy, and it's officially here where the same portion of the special grinds to a halt. And the suspension of disbelief is so high that it's practically floating in zero gravity. If I could meet just one stinking person who understands the holidays are about human kindness with only a touch of conspicuous consumption. Yes, Quincy. What's this? Ho, ho, ho! The mystery of Grandma X is solved. So, as it turns out, Grandma got a bad case of amnesia. And she's been stuck at the North Pole ever since Santa mistook her for a speed bump. Perfectly uninjured otherwise. No broken bones or blood loss, just temporary insanity. Not unlike how the rest of the special is about to go down as the head elf pays a visit to little Spanky. Hi, I'm Quincy, Santa's elf. Top elf, to be exact. I fly right seat on the sleigh. The man in the red suit doesn't make a move without consulting me first. You're an elf. Would you like to find your grandma? More than all the presents in the world. Then follow me. Sure, why not? And while we're at it, let's add another long-forgotten piece of the Dr. Elmo Library. Old St. Nick and Mrs. Claus decided just this year there won't be any Christmas. The oh, I'm sorry. This is a completely different artist altogether. In fact, let's give Gary Chase some credit because he not only sings this song, but he also does covers for Dr. Elmo on some of the other songs in the special. 
The song doesn't have the same level of wackiness as Dr. Elmo's work. In fact, considering it's an unwritten requirement for anything animated to have one, this is our standard issue feel-good ballad. Though not even close to the levels of anything Alan Menken would write for Disney, at least it serves its two purposes. Kill time, and also hope that the effort nets the special an Emmy Award for original song. Spoiler alert, not only did this not win any Emmys, but because it was originally released on video, I don't think it could be eligible for them anyway. But I Christmas digress, as little Spanky comes face to face with Santa. You better have a good reason why you broke elf code and brought a human here. Thought you'd like to meet Jake Spankenheimer. The Jake Spankenheimer who loves rollerblades, video games, pillow fights with his sister, procrastinates once in a while with his homework, not that I condone it, writes to me every Christmas and helps his grandma in the kitchen. It's nice to finally meet someone from Cityville who still believes in me. Pretty cool. Kid, you're face to face with a quasi-mythological creature. I think you can use a few more superlatives than pretty cool. Especially since one of his elves went out of his way to escort you to the North Pole in the middle of Santa's off-season just to reunite you with your grandmother, who, by the way, has no idea who you are. There's someone here who wants to see you. Who is he? So now the story becomes the tale of how to jog grandma's memory back before the store is sold. Though that doesn't quite flow lyrically. Grandma, Santa, the head elf, and little Spanky beeline towards the office of the guy who owns everything in town and tries to set things right. Oh, this ruins everything. Mr. Box will call off the deal. There goes your fortune and my 50%. 10%. 30% plus expenses. Done. I've got an idea. You just make sure Grandma stays missing. Meanwhile, Cousin Mel's lawyer does her thing by setting the reindeer loose, causing the head elf to chase after them, and leave Grandma unattended again. Meanwhile, Spanky and Santa try to state their case. You can't buy the store from Cousin Mel. It's not hers to sell. I found Grandma. She's waiting downstairs. Santa will explain everything. Sorry, used to chimneys, not stairs. Well, it could be worse. It's not like you figured out how to use a doorknob or anything. My God, he doesn't know how to open a door. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Claus! Mrs. Claus! Oh, I haven't forgotten about that. But go on. Something made my reindeer go waha! Waha! Follow me, guys! I tried to stop them, but nothing worked! Everything went black. I'm terribly sorry. I don't know what got into those reindeer. Who are you? Oh, I better get you medical attention. Quincy, leave a note explaining what happened. I was gone for a minute. She wandered off. Who? Grandma! We couldn't find her anywhere. She's missing again! Since Grandma is nowhere to be found, and the man in the red suit here admitted he ran over her, I demand that you have Santa arrested for the disappearance of Grandma. No! 
Act 4 begins as we go from Grandma got run over by a reindeer to Santa's a defendant in a lawsuit, as Santa is now put on trial for the second time in his life. Only this time, he's gonna need a lot more than the post office to clear his name. All the while, Cousin Mel and her lawyer try to throw in some logistics into the world of fantasy. Oh, Santa Claus must be worth a fortune. Considering he supplies gifts to everyone in the world, that's 2.5 billion times. Hmm. What do you think he spends on average per person? What, $10, $15, even if it's just five? Your share as Grandpa's financial advisor is... It's going to be very popular. Which, by no natural segue whatsoever, leads us to another song that Dr. Elmo wrote. But he doesn't sing this one. Grandpa's gonna sue the pants off of Santa. That's what Grandpa's gonna do. Grandpa's gonna sue the pants off of Santa because Grandma would have wanted him to. And as long as we have the opportunity to do so, we should also acknowledge the talents of the voice of Cousin Mel, stage and screen legend Michelle Lee, who you might know from various Broadway shows over the decades, the movie version of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, or her 14-year run on the Dallas spin-off Knott's Landing. The song she happens to be singing here, I wouldn't exactly list as a high point of her career, but at least her talents aren't going completely to waste. Grandpa's gonna shoot the pants off of Santa. Santa's going for a ride. Santa's going for a ride. Santa's going for a ride. Uh, sorry, the record got stuck as we now join the People's Court already in progress. I'm at the courthouse where the sensational Santa Claus trial is reaching its climax. It's already December, and after weeks of testimony by several witnesses, three questions remain. Did Santa's reindeer run over Grandma? Where is she now? And without Santa Claus, will there be a Christmas? District Attorney Hartung is making his impassioned summation. And so in closing, do I want to see Santa Claus go to jail? Personally, no, but I represent the state and must do my job. The evidence proves Santa Claus is responsible for Grandma's disappearance. So if the beard fits, you must convict. Johnny Cochran, he is not. As little Spanky ultimately figures out that Cousin Mel is behind Grandma's second disappearance. Through a sequence involving the family dog sniffing out her backpack and then following her, Little Spanky finally finds Grandma at a cabin in the woods. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? Damn it, I wish. So now the challenge becomes how to get Grandma away from Cousin Mel. Fortunately, Spanky brought reinforcements. Hello, inside. Who can that be way out here? How should I know? I don't even know who I am. If that's your car parked down by the road, you better check it out. Some bears are hanging around it. Thank you. I was leaving anyway. Okay, but don't take too long. Have a safe, fire-free day. Of course. The old have one of Santa's elves stand on a kid's shoulder so the two of you can pass as an adult trick. Vincent Adultman, how are things at the old nine to five? Good. I went to the stock market today. I did a business. Can you imagine this body in a swimsuit? I literally cannot. Which, by cartoon logic, works like a charm, even though Grandma still doesn't know any of the five W's of questioning. 
Nevertheless, they're off to Santa's trial, but not before finally jogging Grandma's memory by locating some key evidence. Tell me again why I'm baking two cakes. One's with your recipe, the other uses the stuff in the vial I found at Cousin Mel's cabin. And this is your famous homemade fruitcake that, uh, a lot of people liked. <laughs> Jake, what am I doing here? Grandma, you remember? Oh, yeah. 20 years later, Jake Spankenheimer would grow up to be Duffman from The Simpsons. Oh yeah! So now that the fruitcake restored her memory, which should sound like a lyric to a Dr. Elmo song, everybody heads for the courthouse to clear Santa's name. We the jury find- Stop! Santa is innocent! I'm Grandma, and I'm not missing. I'm right here. Since Grandma isn't missing, I hereby rule that Santa Claus is innocent of causing her disappearance. Your Honor, there are still the charges of slay-hicular hit-and-run and leaving the scene of an accident. I can answer that, Your Honor. If you and the jury would taste this fruitcake, this one was made by Grandma using her special ingredients. Taste it, and then compare it to the pieces of cake found at the scene of the alleged crime. State's evidence number 12. In the name of justice, we eat fruitcake. Now taste state's evidence number 12, found where Grandma disappeared. So what's your point? These pieces had an extra ingredient in them from this vial of bad stuff found at Cousin Mel's cabin. It had the effect of reindeer nip. That's why the reindeer knocked over Grandma. It wasn't Santa's reckless driving. I uh, couldn't control myself. The boy has done it again. In the words of Lewis Black, I'm going to repeat all of that because it bears repeating. Grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from her family's house on Christmas Eve. But Grandma got run over by a reindeer because the fruitcake she was carrying with her at the time was spiked with the reindeer equivalent of catnip, resulting in said rundown of Grandma, losing her memory, spending almost a year recovering at the North Pole to regain her memory just in time to acquit Santa Claus of any criminal wrongdoing and- Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> I mean, there's creative liberty, and then there's creative liberty so large, it should be standing on its own island off the coast of New York City. Whatever it was, Phil Roman and Warner Brothers paid Dr. Elmo for the rights to use his song in this way. It wasn't enough. And I suppose Jake has an answer to the charge of leaving the scene of an accident. Slay-hicular negligence. This is a note Santa left at the accident scene explaining everything. Dust it for fingerprints. Right, I admit it. Yes, yes, I did it. I hid the note. And? And I made Grandpa sign over his rights to the store. And? I'm behind this evil trial. And? And I hate the goody-goody feelings of Christmas. All this caring and sharing. So I kidnapped Grandma and made Santa Claus the fall guy so I could get all his money. Hey, 
I deserve to be rich. Arrest this woman for obstructing justice and almost ruining Christmas. That's what you get for being selfish and stupid. So, all's well that ends well. The Spankenheimer store is saved. I've said the word Spankenheimer so much during this show that it's no longer funny to me. And we wrap things up in a neat little package. So, Jake, what do you want for Christmas? Nothing. I already got the best Christmas gift ever. I feel the same way. I'm glad you're back, Grandma. On Donner, on Blitzen, on Cupid, on the rest of you. Well, that's the story. Just the way it happened. Oh, <laughs> wait. I left out one more thing. Not that one. It's Cousin Mel's. Waha! So concludes the 21st century perennial holiday special known as Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, a special that took a simple novelty song and made so many unnecessary additions that I'm surprised the Property Brothers weren't executive producers on it. But more than that, I'm pretty sure Santa himself would have found all of this to be a bunch of nonsense. So much so that when he found out that I was reviewing this show for our Christmas episode, he wanted me to set a little time aside before his annual visit to the boss to pick up the naughty list to offer a rebuttal to what we just witnessed. And just like clockwork, here he comes now. Ho, ho, ho! Santa, can you land over there? You're kind of heading for me! Ho, ho, ho! To the left, Santa! To the left! Ho, ho, ho! Away from me, please! Ho, ho, ho! Oh, boy, not again. Oh, 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 thanks, Satan. I'm already dead. I'm really sorry. I just had the suspension, the brakes, and the lower ball joint replaced. That's the last time I get sled work done at Mavis. It's fine, Santa. I've been hosed by mechanics before when I was alive. When I died, I was still trying to pay off a Midas credit card from 2009. Just... Just say what you came here to say, and ugh, I'll see if there's anything down here for my massive head wound. The floor is yours. Thank you. In response to how I was portrayed in the 2000 animated special Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, I can tell you that while a lot of it was fabricated for dramatization purposes, there was an incident in the 1920s where I lost control of my sled and an accident did take place. Thankfully, the accident was more of a property damage case and nothing involving assault, manslaughter, or homicide whether accidental or intentional. Unfortunately, the property I damaged, which I recall being a picket fence, the exterior of the victim's house, and a full set of lawn gnomes, belonged to the grandson of Roland Hussey Macy, the founder of the department store of the same name. 
through a plea deal, we agreed that no legal action would be made on the condition that I not only fix the damages, but that I would also lend myself to 100 hours of community service each year until the end of time. Which also explains why I appear at various Thanksgiving Day parades, various malls, keep Macy's hovering away from bankruptcy, and I'm also an uncredited consultant for any motion picture, TV show, or advertisement that requires my likeness. Where the grandma stuff came from, I have no idea. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it pending any further legal action! Ho 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 ho! So, all that stuff about people selling their business, you having an intensive care unit, and catnip in the fruitcakes isn't true? If you can think of a better way to stretch out a three-minute song to a 60-minute cartoon, I'm all ears. I'd rather not, and I'd like to make it to the new year if I can. Anyway, uh, the boss is ready for you downstairs. Thanks a bunch, and let me make it up to you for knocking you out with my sled. A coupon book? Not just any coupons. Don't think I haven't noticed that you have yet to get to some subjects that got you struck by lightning last year. If your boss asks any questions about them, use a couple of these to defend yourself. Against what? Oh, trust me, you have yet to know what they're truly capable of down there. In the meantime, it's Christmas Eve and I gotta do my thing. Oh, uh, one other thing to give you before I go, but use it quickly before it melts. Uh, ice for my head wound. You know how hard it is to find ice around here? Ah, oh, this is the perfect gift. It beats another lawsuit, I'll tell you that. Now then, on Moisha, on Herschel, on Shlomo. Oh no, I have Hanukkah Harry's list again. Ho 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 ho! Merry everyone! Thanks again, Santa. Now then. Where does Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer get hung by Telehel's chimney with care? Time to shovel some coal into the stockings of our nine circles. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery! First off, let's talk about the show on the surface. The title song pretty much says it all. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. And no matter how comical that may have seemed at the time, it's still an animal attacking a person, so we gotta wing it for some cartoonish violence. But more importantly, most holiday specials seem to share a common thread that the season is about being with family and all the kindness that that entails, and not about what it is that the family gives you. The character of Cousin Mel went from a throwaway line in the original song to being cartoonishly greedy over the notion of selling Grandma's store. And Cousin Mel tries to get away with her greedy ways by setting things up so that she tries and inevitably fails to not only sell Grandma's store, but also sue Santa Claus over said reindeer-related trauma. So in addition to a lengthy prison term, she's also responsible for ringing the bell for treachery. But other than that, the show itself was fine for what it was. At least on the surface. 
When you peel away at the layers of the show, the very idea that they would take a three and a half minute song and stretch it into a 60 minute story feels like a solid case for gluttony in that the writers and producers are giving the audience much more than they bargained for and also biting off more than they can chew at the same time. Inasmuch as they took a simple story about an elderly woman who had a run-in with a flying deer and added elements to it that seemed largely unnecessary. The shoehorning in of Dr. Elmo's songs throughout the special in an effort to tie things up coherently ultimately falls flat and the special feels like heresy and fraud against the source material. On the plus side, who would have guessed that this would have been one of the byproducts of a song that came out of nowhere in the 70s and would turn out to be a lifelong annuity for a simple songwriter nay veterinarian? May the residual checks keep pouring in for you, Dr. Elmo. Just stay away from trying to sound hip and whiff it with all that gangster rap. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer earned six out of nine circles of telehell. And since it's the holidays, let me end with something nice. The highest compliment that I could give is that this show was serviceable. It'll probably never reach the upper echelons of other holiday specials like Charlie Brown or Rankin Bass, but the fact that it still airs on the WB's successor network, The CW, shows that either the special is doing something right, or they really needed an hour to fill during the month of December. In a few years' time, I'm sure it'll claw up the chart of fondness just a little bit more. Speaking of December, there's still a week to go in the month and also the year, and there's still more of the WB's story to be told. Fortunately, we're going to be ringing in the new year with a different kind of ringing in our ears. Next time on Telehell, WB Sember continues as we venture into the seldom-traveled bottomless pit that is reality TV. Too bad the participants in this show live nowhere near reality. So bring your good times and your laughter too. We're gonna celebrate and party with you. Come on now, celebration. Until then. If it's not in telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. The show may be over, but you know where to find us. On social media, Twitter and Facebook, at Telehell Podcast. Want to hear some premium content? Go to patreon.com slash telehellpodcast. And if you have any questions or comments about this show, feel free to contact us at our complaint line, telehellpodcast at gmail.com. But even more than that, please be sure to like, comment, rate, subscribe, lie to us, all over the places where Telehell is streaming, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many others, just by Googling Telehell. Telehell.